This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. Uh, Father, we, we thank you. For your faithfulness, we are grateful. For your great mercy, we say thank you. And Lord, as we look into your word of life this morning, Jehovah, I ask uh, that you will speak to us yourself. Uh, let it not be the words of man. Uh, let it not just be entertainment. Lord, let it minister richly to our souls in the name of Jesus. And Lord, that entrance of your word today, let it bring about an illumination in the name of Jesus. We thank you, blessed Redeemer. At the end of it all, let all the glory go to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you, blessed Redeemer. In Jesus' mighty name, I have prayed. Amen. Amen. You know, I, I really love to travel, you know, because when I travel, everything is shut down. You are in an airplane, you are traveling 12 hours. You have nothing to do. You know, you, there's no phone. You can't call anybody. It gives you time for reflection, time to meditate, time to pray. You know, and that's one of the things I enjoy uh, when I travel. I did not put the sermon notes on the app deliberately. Uh, the uh, technical people, they have it. I printed it out for them. Uh, because I want, us to, I want us to listen today. Uh, what I'm talking to us about today is a message that the Lord gave me on the flight to Lagos, Nigeria. You know, and it's interesting because I traveled with my wife. Usually, you know, we're chit-chatting. You know, she's, she's my best friend, really my only friend. <laughs> you know, so we are always engaged talking. But she was tired because she worked the night before, so she slept. Okay. It's you and me, Lord. <laughs> And this is how, uh, that is how this came about. Last month, our scripture of the month was Psalm 103 and verse 8. Uh, the latter part of it, the Bible says God is plenteous in mercy. What does that mean? It means God is rich in mercy. There's an abundance, an overflow of mercy when it comes to God. And one of the things that I've realized is that God, in the Old Testament, the Bible says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And for some reason, he has chosen you and I as a candidate for his mercy. Mercy is very simple. Mercy is I have done wrong. There's a commensurate punishment for the wrong that I have done, but mercy says no. Amen. Uh, I don't know about you. I asked the ministers this morning during prayer as well. I said, for me, one of the reasons I'm so grateful is because there had been times that I did stuff that it seemed like I was going to be punished for it, right? And I said, Lord, if you just help me this one time, I will never, ever, ever do that again. Can anybody relate? Okay. The, the look on your face, I know you can relate. <laughs> so God built, it's built me out several times, and that is mercy. God is rich in mercy. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22, the Bible says, but for the Lord's mercy, we will have been consumed. It says the reason you and I have not been consumed is because of the great mercy that God has for us. 
And especially for those of us that have identified with Christ, those of us that are known as children of God, that mercy is even more so available for us. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, Hebrews 4, 16. The Bible says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy. I've told you the story of one of the twins that she would just knock on my door when they were little. Say, who is that? Say, it is I, twin. You know, she, she, she answers confidently because she knows who she is. You are my dad, I'm your daughter, I'm knocking the door. Door, open the door, let me come in. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So God is expecting you and I to come boldly into his presence. And he says when we come into his presence, we're going to receive mercy. For those of you that didn't come for the Holy Ghost night, it's on YouTube, go watch it. We had a lot of rich things last uh, Friday night. One of the things that I mentioned is that mercy, the mercy of God, is so uh, richly and readily available to you and I, and mercy is the reason we have salvation. Amen? This is not really what I'm talking about today, but I, I, have, I want to talk about this uh, before I move into what I'm talking about today. It says, in his presence... There is mercy. Many people, when they do wrong, they run away from God. Right? Say, I have sinned. Then they go hide. Isn't that what Adam and Eve did? They, they hid from God. But because God is rich in mercy, even in your wrong, you should run to God. You should run to God. You know, for me, when I was, as a young believer, I had a lot of challenges. You know, I desired so much to serve God and walk with God, but the appeal of sin was still too very strong in my life. So it was always pulling me back. I was always falling into sin, but I, it didn't stop me from coming to church. And it seemed like every Sunday they made an altar call, I got up and went to the front to rededicate my life. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But I did not allow the enemy to cause me to run away from God. Please do not run away from God. Run to him. He's rich in mercy. Praise the Lord. Today's sermon is more like an admonition, exhortation type deal if you want. Amen. And uh, I want to start today by saying to change your life, you must change your thinking. To improve your life, you must change your thinking. There is something about the way we process information that is vital to the outcomes of our life. We need, when it comes to our thoughts, we need a paradigm shift. We need to see life and see things a little differently than the way we have seen them in the past. Let me give you an example. Someone that believes that someone else is responsible for their life and for the trouble or situation of their life, the way they are going to approach life is going to be different from somebody that thinks, I'm in charge, I have control, God is behind me, God is with me, I need to do something about my life. The one that thinks somebody else is the problem is always going to sit there and blame others and say, oh, look at me, if not for this, if not for that, they will not take charge of the issues of their life. 
So the way we think is very, very important. That is why the scripture says in the old King James, uh, uh, it says in Proverbs 23 verse 7, it says, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Our thoughts determine the direction of our lives. You cannot act differently from your thinking pattern. In fact, once you see a person's life, you can guess the way they are thinking. Amen? And if you know the thoughts of a man's mind, of, of a man's heart, you can guess the direction of their life. So, to change your life, you must change your thinking. Praise the Lord. Praise the living Jesus. So today, I want to talk about what I have titled consumer or producer. Consumer or producer. The concept of consumer producer is true regardless the sphere of life. There are nations, there are corporations, there are people, there are individuals that are producers. And there are others that are consumers. Amen? And this concept determines who gets rich and who doesn't. <laughs> you know, the American economy is built around consumption. That is why whenever they want to stimulate the economy, what do they do? They give money to people so you can go spend it. In fact, one of the ways they measure the health of the economy is the consumer index. How much are people spending? Amen. The economy of the United States took a hit because of COVID, because of the pandemic. You know why? Because people were not spending as much. Amen. So it is how the economy or economies are built. It is therefore important for you and I that we ask ourselves these questions. Am I a consumer or am I a producer? I'm going somewhere with this. There are many important questions we need to ask ourselves in life in general. In fact, the first question that was asked in the scripture was asked by God himself. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 9, when he came looking for Adam and Eve and couldn't find them, I said, where are you? I've said this many times. He cannot be talking about a geographic location. You know why? God is omnipresent. It means where they were hiding, God was there, right there with them. So when he's asking them, where are you? He's not saying, where is your physical location? That's not what he's asking. And then again, if you consider the fact that God is omniscient, meaning he has all knowledge, he knows all things, there is no way they can possibly hide from him. Psalm 139 says, there is wherewithal will I hide from your presence. He said, if I make darkness my clothing, he said, right there, you are, you, you're there with me. Even if I go to hell to hide, there you are. So we can't hide from God. So when he's asking, where are you, he's asking a question in relation to himself. So I want to ask you that question this morning as well. Where are you? Where are you in your relationship with God? Amen. When you go back to the, the book of beginning in Genesis, God did not design for Adam to be a consumer. He, decide, he, he, he designed for him to be a producer. 
Amen. That is why the first assignment God gave him was to tend the garden, to till the ground, and to do all of those things so that it can produce what he needs for his own nourishment. Because of time, uh, we'll move forward very quickly. The reason I believe the Lord laid this on my heart, at least the way I understand it, is remember, December, I told you that three things will be important for us as we go through the, this year and beyond. You got to think, you got to plan, and you got to execute. Amen. So we're still talking about thinking. So as I ask you the question this morning, are you a consumer or are you a producer? I want you to put on your thinking cap. Okay? How many people have gotten the stimulus check? The first one. The first one. The first one. I got mine two days ago. <laughs> if I was mad because I, you didn't get stimulus check? Oh, yeah, you are afraid. The first stimulus check. Raise your hand now. We're in the house of the Lord. Okay, for the children, your parents got it on your behalf. <laughs> but li listen to this. Listen to this. An average family of, you know, dad, mom, and three children will have gotten maybe about $3,000. Yes? Somewhere in that region. Three to $5,000. Amen? That's, put that, parking lot that, $5,000. This is tax season, right? The same family, you know, average income, will probably get a tax refund of somewhere around $10,000. Yes? Yes? Okay. Okay, so let's parking lot that again. There's a second round of stimulus that is in the works right now. Yeah? Yes. That's the second round. The, that's the third one. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you for catching me up. So, what I want to do, the first one is too far away. Let's start from December. All right, so, from December to now, there's a, there's a payment that has gone out. That is somewhere between three to $5,000. Yes? There's another one coming. For a family that size of five people, dad, mom, and three children, that's going to be around another $10,000. Yes? Yes, yes, yes. I've done my homework. I, I'm just saying that to carry you along so that, you know, it's about $10,000. Amen? Plus, this is tax season. You're going to get a tax refund. Yes? For that same family size, average income, about $10,000. You add it all up, you get about $25,000. And this morning, as I sat in my office just reviewing the news, I saw that they have another thing in play that is going to kick in in July. About $3,000 per child that is under six. I'm hearing some very affirmative yes, yes. Okay, but let's stay with where we are now. So potentially, a family of five with average income, some people are disqualified based on income. I thought I was. Then I spoke to somebody, he said he got a check. I said, if you got a check, I should be getting a check too. <laughs> but I got mine too. But listen to this. 
That is potentially $25,000. By design, the government is giving you that money, so you go spend it on things you want to use to impress people that don't care about those things. Praise the Lord. If you have a consumer mindset, it will be very difficult to be successful in life. When you think, please don't clap yet. We will clap later. Because I want this, I want this to be clear to us. Most people say, I don't have money, I don't have money, I don't have money. Well, the check or whatever payment you got in December, what did you do with it? And then there's two payments that is kind of lined up back to back now. Let's, okay, let's forget December. So the next payment that is coming, $10,000, and then your tax refund, another $10,000, $20,000 is enough to start a small business. Rich people don't spend their principal. They invest their money, and the return on investment is what they spend. I have a mentor that said to me, well, he, he just came to visit us in the United States, you know, and while he was here, I was sitting with him. While he was here, we saw a commercial. It was when the uh, Mercedes-Benz R class came out. He said, man, I love this guy, I love this guy, I love this guy. I got to get it. And we went shopping for the car. He paid cash for the car. Just came on vacation visiting. It wasn't part of his plan. You know what he told me? He said, Koye, it's important that you understand how I spend. He said, this money that I'm spending is an overflow, is a surplus from a deal that I was not expecting. So he's not spending frivolously. You know, one of the things businesses have mastered in America is... So there's a new iPhone that is coming out. The iPhone you have, there's nothing wrong with it. But you must be like the Joneses. They say, no, 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 I must have the latest i whatever it's called. You know, my wife has been on my case that I, I should be ashamed bringing out my phone in public. I say, ah, there's nothing wrong with my phone. The phone is working. Everything, all the functions, everything, everything working fine. Everything working fine but they stole my phone in Nigeria. <laughs> they stole that phone. So I have the latest phone now. To the glory of God. But, but watch this. Watch this. There's a classic example of the consumer-producer mindset in Scripture. Jacob and Esau. Let's open to Genesis chapter 25. I'm going to read from verse uh, 26 to 34. So then the other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So they named him Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when the twins were born. As the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoor man but Jacob had a quiet temperament, preferring to stay at home. The contemporary English version of the Bible renders that, say, while Jacob settled down and became a shepherd. One day, 
when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived from the wilderness, exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. And this is how Esau got his other name, Edom, which means red. Verse 31. All right. Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the first son. Look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What is my birthright to me right now? In case I do, I'm not able to come back to this. Listen to me. Nobody has ever died because they missed a meal. Let's put that in perspective. Because you missed a meal. So I've been busy all day, and you missed one meal, you die. Nobody ever dies of that. So let's continue. Verse 33. So, but Jacob said, first you must swear that your birthright is mine. He closed the deal. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all his rights as firstborn to his brother Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew. Esau ate the meal, then got up and left. He showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. Jacob is an example of a producer, and Esau is an example of a consumer. There are nations in the world today, and I'll give you an example, the one I know very well, Nigeria. Nigeria is a consumer nation. There are nations in the world today that have so much mineral resources, but those nations are one of the poorest nations in the world. You know why? Because they don't ever develop the stuff they have. Nigeria is maybe seventh largest oil producer of oil, crude oil, in the world. But Nigeria imports refined petroleum products into Nigeria. They don't process them in Nigeria. The refineries don't work. Everything is broken down. Nigeria at the time was the leading producer of cocoa. I'm trying to say it the American way. Is it cocoa? Cocoa. No, no, no. Let's say it be politically correct. Cocoa. So we ship out the cocoa and then they bring back chocolate products. Nations that are consumer nations don't get very far in life. Individuals that choose to be consumers and not producers, investing what you have instead of eating what you have. Every farmer that eats all of his seed is a matter of time before they become bankrupt. So all this money that you have lined up, what are you, th- what are you thinking when you're thinking about the money that is coming? <laughs> I'm going to go get me a brand new car. What does that do for you? What does that do for you? It is important. So for, let's go back to the example of Jacob and Esau. So Jacob, I mean Esau, goes hunting. Usually, the producers depend on the consumers for supply. Because the stew he's making, the raw materials, 
Esau is provided. One of the things about consumers, characteristic feature of a consumer, is instant gratification. They can't wait. I must have it, I must have it, and I must have it right now. Is there anything wrong with getting a new car or getting a vehicle upgrade? No. But if your credit score is so bad that you're going to be paying 18% interest rate on the note you're about to get, it doesn't make sense for you to buy that car. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Listen, I'm talking from experience. When you do that, when you do that, a note that is supposed to be less than $200, you'll be paying over $400 for it. And you are driving the car you like, and that is because you cannot delay and defer gratification. When Esau came home, what did he say? He said, give me food now, 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 now. If you don't give me, I will die. It's a lie. If you don't drive that new car, nothing is going to happen. Nothing. Nothing. If you don't buy that new phone that you now put on a payment plan, nothing is going to happen to your life. If you don't buy that new suit, nothing is going to happen to your life. In fact, you know, I tell people all the time, if I ask you what you wore last Sunday, it will take you a few minutes before you remember. Nobody cares what you're wearing. You are the one that you think everybody's looking at. Nobody's looking at you. I'm telling you right now. Even I, okay, I remember because it was uh, uh, the ceremony. We were all wearing the same thing. So, I, but you don't. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. The people you are trying to impress. Okay, maybe they see you when you're wearing it. Once they walk away from that, they forgot about your situation. Listen to me. Everybody have their own issues they are dealing with. And nobody is worried about how you are dressing or how you are not dressing. Friends, if you are going to make it in life, you must learn to delay gratification. You must learn to tell yourself, yes, it is good, but not now. Not now. The number one characteristic of consumers is they cannot delay gratification. They want it, and they want it right now. Number two, producers, producers are people that are always looking for opportunity to upskill. Consumers, you just look for the stuff and spend money. One of the things you can do with all this money lined up Think of a training you can go for to upskill yourself. Think of something you're passionate about. You know, every time Victor tells me the cost of his cameras, I'm like, whoa. There was one he bought once, I said, this one is $4,000. So the next time you call him to come and take pictures or do videography for you, and you're expecting him to do it for free, and he tells you no, that is the reason why. Because he keeps making investment in his craft. Amen? Producers are always upskilling. They are getting new skills. They are getting new knowledge. How do I know this? 
Think about Jacob. Jacob in his father's house could not do what he did in his uncle's house. What made him prosperous in his uncle's house, God gave him a revelation of how animals will produce and all of those things. So once he negotiated with his uncle, and he said, okay, the ones that are striped like this will be mine. The ones that are striped like that will be yours. So he had an idea, and then he put the idea together. Guess what? He went there with nothing. The only thing Jacob left the house with was the blessing of his father. He did not have any inheritance. So for those that are saying, oh, if I had a rich dad or a rich uncle, Jacob had nothing. Jacob had nothing. But once he got there, he worked hard, he upskilled himself, he learned some new things, and that made him prosperous. When you get home, read uh, uh, Genesis chapter 32. As Jacob was preparing to meet with Esau, go and look at the list of gifts he put together to give his brother. You could tell that this is a man that God has prospered. You know why? He was not eating his seed. He was not eating his seed. You have a good opportunity to transform your life, is what I'm saying this morning. Oh, you have a great and a fantastic opportunity to turn your life around by changing the way you think. So all that money, I don't know what you have been thinking about before now, but all that money, I want you to change your thinking. And say, how can I make this better? You know, one of the things I found, thank God for good friendships. Uh, Pastor Abiola, every time I sit with him, I'm always looking for, oh, so tell me about this investment stuff. One of the things I've done, I've realized, is, is absolutely ludicrous. Putting money in savings account. Savings account, interest on it is like 0.001%, something crazy like that. So I look for investments, opportunity. I put my money there. I put it there. And when I need it, I sell the stuff. I get my money out. Last year, the differential on what I put in and what I got out was almost $4,000. You must have a producer mentality that this little that I have, what can I do to make it bigger? To make it better. Praise the Lord. The other day, I had uh, someone say to me, so oh, we have a group, we do collection, a, a contribution in the church. So you have a business idea, have a group of people, every paycheck, everybody contributes uh, $100. I, I, I'm not sanctioning or full disclaimer, <laughs> you do it at your own risk, and the people you agree, you know you, you can handle trust between yourself. But there's a group in the church that they told me about. Every paycheck, everybody contributes $200. And there's like 12 of them. 12 times uh, 200 is what? You do the math. So by the time it circles to you, you have some money left over. Listen to me. Everybody can put something away. There are areas in your life where you're losing money right now because you're not paying attention. 
If you have a car note, for example, that you are paying 15%, go sell that car and uh, go buy you a, I call it to get to get. That can get you from here to there. Because you're wasting money. You're wasting money. The reason you are complaining that there's no money, there's no money, there's no money, so it's bad decisions. It's not the devil. You know, the devil, the devil, that's why all the fasting and prayer has not done anything. It's not going to change it. Because they are poor decisions. So there's a call to action. Let me wrap this up. I, I have a few things here that I said call to action. And I think I've spoken about some of them. Number one, any high interest stuff like that that you have in your life, go get rid of them. Get rid of them. Get rid of them. Get rid of them. And recalibrate. It's what I did. That's how the, 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 your dead profile now is like an abyss, a deep hole. There's no coming out of it if you don't take the right steps and the right decisions. Amen? You need to change the way you look at yourself. When money comes in, it's not an opportunity to buy more and get more. When money comes in, you have to know how to, how to invest, send money on errand. So that while you're sleeping, money is working for you. Amen? Is that a word for somebody? Yes. You receive it in Jesus' name. Yes. Listen. One of the things I have, know, I have noticed is many, there's not anyone I know that doesn't have a passion about something. What are you passionate about? How can you monetize your passion? I know at least three people that over the course of their stay in Salvation Center, they have become car dealers. To be a dealer, you have to put money in. So they go to the auction, they buy a car, they fix the car up, they flip the car, and then they get their money back. And then they go buy another one. There is something you are passionate about. Don't waste your passion. Don't waste your passion on looking, just looking good and looking. There's nothing wrong with looking good. You know me. There's nothing wrong with looking good. But when looking good has more priority over advancing your life, there's a big problem with that. Amen? So number one, get rid of high interest, whatever in your life, and recalibrate. Number two, whatever you are passionate about, monetize it. You say, I don't have money, but you have money coming your way now. Whatever plans you have to buy more, Change those plans and begin to think about investment opportunities. Here's the conclusion I wrote here for myself. When you think money, think investment. Amen? You can then spend the returns on your investment on pleasure. Too many people, when they think money, they think pleasure. And once you spend that money, it's never coming back. The money you spend on vacation, all you have left is pictures. I don't have any problem with vacations. <laughs> Praise the Lord. In fact, beginning from this year, I've made up my mind I'm going to take quality vacation. I can't remember the last time I took vacation. 
beginning this year, I've, I promised myself that. But listen, there are phases and stages in our lives. Amen? In Genesis chapter 8, the Bible says there is a seed time. There is harvest. There is summer. There is winter. You may be in your seed time phase of life, and you are operating around people that are in their harvest state. Don't confuse your state with theirs. So the fact that they are taking vacation and doing all of these things they are doing, they had sown before they got to the harvest time. So the fact that everybody is going on vacation does not mean it's now my turn to go on vacation. You can't afford it yet. You are sowing right now. This is your seed time. Don't confuse seed time with harvest because you see somebody else harvesting. Praise the Lord. Out of time but not out of message. Let's rise to our feet. Rise to your feet. Rise to your feet. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.